We're back. We're speaking with legendary prosecutor and author Vincent Bugliosi about his latest book, The Prosecution of George W. Bush for Murder. And yes, the book advocates exactly that. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I do want to mention in passing, there's a widespread assertion that the war in Iraq suffered from poor intelligence, the CIA's blame for not finding those WMDs. But as you've, you've pointed out already, with this national intelligence estimates given the administration, uh, this is coming from on high. This is not the CIA's failings. You mentioned yep. a man named Alan Foley, a CIA analyst. He at one point told his people, if the president wants to go to war, our job is to find the intelligence to allow him to do so. And so again, it's top-down directives not coming from errors from below. Yeah, there was a lot of pressure, and I have many quotes in the book, a lot of pressure on the CIA to come up with evidence justifying war. It's, it's called um, a cherry-picking. Uh, using evidence to support your case for war and disregarding that evidence which does not support your case for war. But I have to say this, uh, and I think the Downing Memo probably goes in that direction. I would never bring murder charges against George Bush based on cherry-picking, because cherry-picking is, is kind of common. It's not good, it's wrong, but it's kind of common. But when you have George Bush talking about how to provoke Hussein into a war when he's telling the world that Hussein's about to attack us, that's very, very strong uh, criminal evidence. But the cherry-picking thing, which I have several examples of in the book, that's strong, but not enough to prosecute for murder. You spent a lot of time in the book uh, putting the public's manipulation into supporting this war into perspective, and I think we should probably review a few items, starting with the failure to stop the 9-11 attacks. Uh, Bill Clinton's people, including Richard Clark, tried to interest Team Bush in al-Qaeda and bin Laden, yet no actions were taken despite warnings before September that an attack in the U.S. seemed imminent. If I may say one thing, that's an extra chapter that Bush could not possibly have been any worse in fighting the war against terrorism, but that would not help me convict George Bush uh, of murder. That's just an additional chapter that I've tagged on. Uh, to the book. It's very, very interesting. People are finding that chapter extremely interesting, but it would not prove his guilt uh, for taking this nation to war uh, under false pretenses. But what you're referring to it is just one piece of evidence showing how extremely incompetent George Bush was. August 5th, 2001, five weeks before 9-11, Bush is on his five-week vacation at his Texas ranch, and that day uh, the CIA gave him a memo saying that for the first time ever, al-Qaeda was planning an attack inside the United States involving the hijacking of airplanes, and they had surveillance of uh, federal buildings in New York City as targets. Additionally, uh, U.S. intelligence that summer said there was an unprecedented, quote, peak of urgency, unquote, about the impending attack, and the system was, quote, blinking red. Now, Doug, you or I or anyone else would have immediately cut our vacation short. He was down at Crawford at the time, Texas, flown back to Washington, called a meeting of our intelligence and military advisors on how to meet this imminent threat, including, of course, ordering the increasing of airport security. But unbelievably, George Bush continued having fun on his vacation and did absolutely nothing at all between August 6th and September 11th to respond to the August 6th memo. How can it get any worse than that? Again, though, I want to make it clear, this is not a part of the case against Bush if he's tried first-degree murder. We're talking about extreme negligence here. 
And when you prosecute someone for first-degree murder, you don't talk about negligence. You talk about intentional uh, activity. What about when bin Laden, we're going to talk about how he conducted the war on, um, on terrorism, uh, he's responsible for murdering 3,000 Americans. Uh, he was trapped, as you know, at Tora Bora. Tora Bora is a rugged uh, mountainous range in the southeastern part of a- Afghanistan, uh, hard by the Pakistan border, late December 2001. Do you know how many Americans uh, Bush sent up there to uh, go after Tora Bora? How many soldiers? Try zero. None. Not one. Instead, he relied completely on Afghan warlords to pursue him, warlords whom uh, we know uh, bin Laden eventually paid to allow him to escape into Pac- uh, Pakistan. What he did do, he sent 50 special advisors and he bombed Tora Bora, but not one American soldier was sent up there. Yet Bush sent over 150,000 American troops to go to Iraq to get Hussein, someone who had as much to do with 9-11, Doug, as you or I or an honor of mine who lives up uh, in Minnesota. Yeah. One example after another, the 9-11 Commission, Bush behind the scenes. The 9-11 Commission was established to find out how this tragedy happened and what we can do to prevent it in the future. George Bush behind the scenes was doing everything possible to frustrate the formation of the, the uh, 9-11 Commission. None of these things, however, deal with the issue is, is he guilty or not guilty of uh, murder. One big thing in the book that, uh, to me, was an emotional underpinning uh, for the book is the fact that the evidence is just overwhelming, and you, 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 you've seen it in the book, throughout the hell on earth that George Bush created in Iraq, with over 100,000 people dying horrible violent deaths, and, and hundreds of thousands of their survivors, Doug, crying out hysterically, and having nightmares over what happened to the loved ones. This man, George Bush, the evidence is overwhelming, conclusive, has smiled through it all. In fact, if you see a photo, if you see a photo of Bush and six or seven other people smiling, who's got the biggest smile on his face? George Bush. The evidence is very clear that while young American soldiers who never had a, these are 18, 19-year-old kids who never had a chance to live out their dreams, were being blown to pieces by roadside bombs in Iraq, Bush was having a lot of fun and enjoying life to the fullest. I'm talking about running, bicycling, uh, joking with friends, slapping backs, dancing and swiveling his hips like Elvis to blaring music, almost always appearing to be in the very best uh, of good spirits. And if any of your listeners are saying, well, what's the evidence for that? You, You don't have to take my word for it or what I write in the book. Bush himself has shown no hesitancy at all saying things like this over and over again. You mentioned something that really sort of, I think, sticks in a lot of craws, uh, that uh, B- Bush was uh, openly joking in March '04 about finding no weapons of mass destruction, oh, yeah. treated yeah. the whole thing like it was a tremendous joke, and, uh, and it's, I think it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Oh, yeah, that's, that's one of many, many examples. Let, let, let me quote a couple words from George Bush. Right in the middle of all the horror and the screaming, and the sea of blood going on in Iraq. And, and, and Doug, try to imagine in your wildest imagination, as I'm reading these quotes from George Bush, Roosevelt, Truman, LBJ, Nixon, during their respective wars, saying things like this. Here's George Bush. Laura and I, now this is right in the middle of all the horror and the suffering, Laura and I are having the time of our lives. I'm in a great mood. It's a perfect day. I'm feeling pretty good about life. Doug, even if George Bush was only guilty of making an innocent mistake in taking this nation to war, not murder, as I firmly believe, with all of the, 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 the deaths and the horror and the suffering he has caused, what type of a monstrous individual is it who could be happy with his life? 
uh, in March of this year, just to give you an example, and I give many examples in the book, he shows up at a press conference at the White House to endorse uh, John McCain's candidacy, and McCain shows up late. What does Bush do? Big smile on his face. Spontaneously, he starts doing a soft shoe, uh, soft shoe tap dancing routine to entertain the assembled media. This is a happy man. Unbelievable. Certainly in the wake of your writing a book about how he could be prosecuted for murder, I, I imagine that you must take some satisfaction. This is probably going to plant a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of worry somewhere in the back of his mind. Yeah, he's never going to know, since there's no statute of limitations for murder, he's never going to know when he's in, uh, trying to enjoy himself down in Crawford, Texas, after he retires. He's never going to know if one day, well, like in, in Chile, Pinochet, 33 years later, they brought murder charges against him, and, and then he died, but they were going to prosecute him uh, for murder. Bush is never going to know if some aide is going to tap him on his shoulder and say, uh, Mr. President, there, there's this, this prosecutor up in North Dakota, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Pulasovic or something like that, <laughs> but M Mr. President, he's charging you with murder, and we're due up in Fargo this Monday at 9 a.m. for your arraignment. He's never going to know that. So I want to put a thought in his Bush's mind that he's going to take to his grave with him. This is someone who's responsible for 100,000 precious human beings who are right now in their cold graves, as I'm talking to you, decomposing because of this guy, and he's enjoyed himself throughout the entire war. I want to go back just a moment to Afghanistan because I think it's worth comparing and contrasting with Iraq. And I, and I want to remind our listeners and, and inform you that we spoke um, a couple years back to Gary Bernson, the man, the CIA operative who had chased bin Laden to Tora Bora. And he told us, as he wrote in his book, that he was denied a request for Army Rangers. He wanted 8,000 Rangers to get bin Laden and was very irked by the fact that he was denied. Uh, Bush said, I'm going to bring back bin Laden, dead or alive. And here, bin Laden is trapped at Tora Bora, and he does absolutely nothing about it except bomb Tora Bora. I've heard the story, I don't talk about it in the book, but I've heard the story that you just mentioned. And the Afghan warlords told the media, Bush says he wants to get bin Laden, but if he does, why is he acting the way he is? I don't know the uh, answer to that. Yeah, these quotes that you had in the book, I had not seen elsewhere, and, they're, and, they're, and I, and I want to and I want to read them because I was quite stunned. Uh, you quoted one of the aides to the warlords t telling the, the press that it convened in Tora Bora, I don't think the United States wants to capture Osama. We know where he is. We tell them, and they do nothing. So they're not as serious as they say they are. That, that's really quite amazing. It is amazing because uh, bin Laden is the one that murdered 3,000 Americans, and he's the one that's responsible for Bush's uh, uh, approval ratings, zooming up to 90%, even though it happened on his watch. And bin Laden's the guy that Bush said, I'm going to bring him back, dead or alive. Now we got him trapped at Tora Bora, and he doesn't do anything. And as you well know, eventually, uh, bin Laden, it's, it's been proven, uh, paid these Afghan warlords to allow him to escape uh, into Pakistan. And yet he sends 150,000 soldiers, puts them in harm's way, uh, to go after Hussein in Iraq, who had absolutely nothing to do with 9-11. All of your U.S. intelligence reports say that, the 9-11 Commission. The Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, they all conclude that Hussein had nothing to do with 9-11. And you also point out that uh, Senator Graham from Florida said that Tommy Franks admitted that the Afghan war, as it was going on by February of, of 2002, was already being compromised by preparations to go to, to go to war with Iraq. That's 13 months before Iraq suddenly became this dire threat. Yeah, that, that's all consistent with the notion that uh, Bush's main objective always was not bin Laden and al-Qaeda, but Saddam Hussein. 
And it's insane, by the way, uh, to, to uh, even without the 16 intelligence agencies, common sense would tell you that Hussein was not an imminent threat to security of this country, even forgetting about the fact that we've subsequently found out that he destroyed all of his weapons of mass destruction way back in 1991. Why is it an insane thought? For one simple reason. Hussein wanted to live. And when you want to live, you do not attack the United States of America or help anyone else do so. It's as simple as that. Here's a guy that slept in a different bed every night. He uh, had two food testers tasting every morsel of food he ate. Where did we find him? Hiding like a rat at the bottom of an eight-foot spider hole. He told his captors, don't shoot. Let's not confuse Hussein with some uh, radical Islamic fundamentalist that wants to die a martyred war because he thinks there's a harem of beautiful women waiting for him in heaven. Hussein wanted to live. He was the complete dictator of a country. He had everything he wanted, 40 palaces. We were uh, his biggest customer financing, uh, I'm talking about oil, financing his luxurious uh, lifestyle. What conceivable reason under the moon would he have to attack us or help anyone else do it? It's preposterous and insane on its face. And as you point out in the book, and this is probably the most heart-wrenching part of, of the entire book, uh, you quote extensively some military personnel that are, that are in Iraq, and uh, these young soldiers uh, honestly think they are fighting back against the terror of September 11th, which is, which is very sad. Yeah, we have this grotesque spectacle of these poor kids fighting bravely, and they're thinking it's, they're thinking it's payback time to get even with Hussein in Iraq for 9-11, as late as August of... 2006, 90% of the soldiers in in Iraq thought they were fighting against the people responsible for 9-11. And they're giving up their lives, not for America, not for you, not for me, but for George Bush, Rove, and Cheney. It's It's just a terribly sickening, disgusting situation. But up to now, Doug, he has gotten by completely. Clinton has consensual sex outside of marriage and tries to cover it up. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, he's savaged, ends up getting impeached. And, 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 and Ken Starr, this monstrous, grotesque, obscene individual, for seven years, $70 million effort, funded by the American government and the American media, including the New York Times, savaging Clinton on a day-to-day basis. And here we have Bush taking this nation to war on a lie with thousands upon thousands of people dying horrible deaths, and no one is doing anything against him, but this book here may change that. This book may change that. I'm not bragging or boasting. I'm telling you a fact that I've established jurisdiction for a thousand prosecutors to go after this guy, and it could happen that he could be brought to trial in an American courtroom. Let's let an American jury decide whether he's guilty or not guilty of murder. And if they conclude that he is and convict him of first-degree murder, it'll be up to them to decide uh, what the appropriate punishment is. One of their options, by the way, being the imposition of the death penalty something by the way that bush has always been a very strong proponent of when he was governor down in texas uh... one hundred and fifty two death warrants came across his desk and he signed off on all one fifty two not once exercising any mercy i'm not talking about setting the person free i'm talking about reducing it from death down to life imprisonment he had a one hundred percent execution rate including executing uh... a young man who was mentally retarded uh, the other options the jury would have, of course, would be life imprisonment and life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. But I'm going after him. Whether I succeed or not, I don't know. But I want to see him in an American courtroom. People who are reading the prosecution of George W. Bush for murder, um, I've heard it from more than one person, is that they didn't think 
they could possibly have any more contempt for George Bush than they already have. But to their surprise, upon reading the book, their uh, contempt for Bush has risen dramatically so. I've even had people with high blood pressure tell me they can't read more than five <laughs> or six pages of the book without putting it down because they get so angry. I don't know if you had that, if it had that effect on you where you got angry, but I can tell you that other people are getting extremely angry reading this book. I, I consider myself fairly well informed about what's going on, but in your book, sir, I found many things I did not know, and yes, they, they, I did find them very, um, very aggravating. And, and, and as we wrap up, I wanted to ask, uh, I don't know what the legal term, the opposite of a mitigation is, but there's some factors I want to just ask you to speculate uh, on in, in, in regards to any potential prosecution. Uh, there's this issue of lack of adequate protection of unarmored vehicles, body armor. Uh, w w could a prosecutor use some of those as a factor? Not, not really. They don't go towards guilt. That, it, they, they were written up in the prologue to the prosecution chapter, not the prosecution chapter. Yeah. Possibly they would be introducible during the penalty phase, because in the penalty phase, where the issue is life or death, the prosecution can offer evidence in aggravation, and the defense can offer evidence of, uh, in mitigation. But there's no question that the Bush administration sent these young soldiers to war in Iraq with these Humvees. They're totally vulnerable, yeah. and they were, they've been, they continue to this very day to be very unconscionably slow in providing uh, American soldiers with adequate armor for those Humvees to withstand, to withstand these um, uh, roadside bombs. Now, here's something that very few people knew about, and I can ask you if you'd heard about it. Unbelievably, the same group of people, Bush, Cheney, etc., who put through that $1.3 trillion tax break for, for the wealthy, were you aware that they were trying to do that partially on the backs of these poor American soldiers over there, trying to cut back on their combat pay by $75 a month? Were you aware of that before you read it? I, I did, was not. Yeah. Now, isn't, isn't that That's unbelievable? Unbe it is unbelievable. Even more unbelievable, I want to ask, you know, could a prosecutor make something of the fact that Bush actually at one point threw out that bring them on remark, in effect in inviting attacks upon American soldiers? Uh, yeah. Again, that, that would be, if at all, in the penalty phase. But in the guilt phase, is he guilty or not guilty of murder? That would not that would not be relevant. That would not be relevant as to whether he's guilty of first degree murder. But it certainly uh, is relevant to show what type of a human being George Bush is. And you can bring in all types of evidence during the penalty phase, but you cannot bring in during the guilt phase. Very good. Well, uh, my final question would be: uh, I imagine that you hope that uh, a threat of prosecution uh, might. Uh, might help bring this ill-conceived war to a, to an earlier end. Well, actually, that that's very interesting what you said because I have to I have to confess to you I don't think I had thought about that. I I was really only thinking about bringing George Bush to justice. My feeling is that if if we want this nation to be the great nation it once was, uh, it can hardly do that if it doesn't take the first step in bringing those responsible for the war in Iraq to justice. But you're talking about uh, another issue of. Um, expediting the conclusion of the war. I don't know if my book would uh, go in that direction at all. Uh, if it did, uh, it would be great, but uh, that's an excellent thought uh, that you came up with. We certainly hope that is the case, and we hope that a lot of our listeners are going to go out and get a copy of The Prosecution of George W. Bush for Murder. It's a good read, and we hope we're part of that word of mouth to, to keep it spreading. Great, Doug. Uh, we got a lot of stuff in there because you were prepared, you asked good questions, and thanks so much for having me on the show. I, I, I deeply appreciate it. It's been our great pleasure to again welcome Vincent Bugliosi to this program. We hope to have him on sometime in the future. On next week's program, we'll be speaking with one of our favorite journalists, 
Robert Shear. We'll be talking about his latest work, The Pornography of Power, How Defense Hawks Hijacked 9-11 and Weakened America. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. We'll see you next week at the same time.